Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. And Chris Evans. Hello. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. As good as can be. Good as can be. (laughs) As good as can be. Um, We're here today to talk all about the very exciting, for a change, Hungarian Grand Prix, um, which I'm sure you'll both agree was actually a bit of a banger of a race. It was. It's the best Hungarian Grand Prix I can remember for some time, that's for sure. Yeah, we've been treated to four really good races in a row now. Yeah. It's like Formula One's teasing us into the summer break and uh, then leaving all go us. wrong comes far. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, so since we've got such a great race to talk about, why don't we get right into it, shall we? Um, and we'll start with Verstappen's very first pole position of his career. It amazes me that he hasn't had a pole position yet. I could bear, scarcely believe that he's not at a yeah. pole position yet when that's it's weird, that isn't came it? Out. Yeah. I think it comes back to the fact that we've talked about before, the fact that he doesn't win dull races and it's usually because something's gone on in the race and he's always been there to take advantage. So he's never yeah. been out and out necessarily the fastest man with the fastest car, whereas this weekend he actually looked like he could have been. But it was exactly was. the same with all of um, Ricardo's Red Bull wins, though, wasn't it? Yeah. They were never, never just lights to pole, uh, lights to flag wins. It was always like some craziness went on. I like how uh, Martin Brundle coined the term "the burglar" for uh, for Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> that was one of my favourite. He was a race win burglar. He, he was, yeah. He'd be stealing Nicky them from, from the nose. I think I'm right in saying this is the first Dutch pole ever, as well, isn't it? Not necessarily. I think just you might be right. Yeah, Verstappen's is the first Dutch pole. first ever Dutch pole position. Wow, mm. that's uh, that's great news if you're Dutch. Can't think <laughs> of many Dutch F1 drivers other than Max's dad. Yeah, Josh <laughs> Verstappen. Um, yeah, I'm sure. There's I'm more out there, head. but there, I'm sure there are plenty. We're just not um, long enough in the tooth to remember. Them, <laughs> I'm going to say um, someone else who had a really really good qualifying session was our boy George Russell. Yeah. Um, qualified up in 16th, I believe, um, after yep. um, Danny Ricciardo kind of screwed himself, getting into a little bit of a fight, didn't he, with um, Perez, right on the right as they were about to set their laps. Yeah, so, um, all got in each other's way. Yeah, they all got in each other's way in the end. Classic, classic, classic uh, midfield Formula One. Um, but he did look... Like he had some genuine pace. Like he, he, for a moment, it looked like he might make you too. Um, and I think if he'd if he'd done his run, maybe because the track was coming to all of them, if he'd done his run, maybe like a couple of minutes later and been on the end of that pack, he might have. Act, I think he might have made it to Q two. Yeah, he was. How far off was he? Mm, it was. It was the best part of a second off um, Magnuson in the end. So he'd mm. have had to have found a lot, but. They were though. Regardless. They were finding an awful lot. It was the track was really coming to them. It was and Dad Williams is starting to come along now. Yeah, it's, well, they put um, um, they put a big update on it, uh, and they but they sort of changed their approach with the setup of that car. Um, and he his own words, George Russell's own words, were that he went from feeling like an amateur in Germany in the rain to when he ran in the rain at Hungary during practice to a rainmaster. 
that's how he <laughs> that's how he felt like the difference was <laughs> night and day in the car I wonder how much of that is down to car setup as well like sort of understanding what he needs from it and now being able to get the best from it because he knows that kind of thing yeah which yeah, is interesting because well, before the season you'd have said Kubica would have been the one with the experience who'd be able to help guide setup direction and upgrade direction, but it's sort of not proving that way, is it? Mm, yeah, I think. Well, maybe they. I think they're probably like different kinds of cars. It, yeah, true. It, it would, t- and, and it seems to me like that car maybe is the kind of car that George likes, and maybe not the kind of car that Kubica likes, which would explain the huge discrepancy between the two laps. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, but again, if it's you know if it is a car, it's, it's obviously very much a diva that car, and it mm. looks like they're starting to tame it somewhat. So, you know, leading into the summer break, maybe if they come out with some updates for Belgium and um, and uh, Italy. We might see them sort of start to make some proper inroads into the into the midfield, which would be really great. Yeah, it's a decent couple of races back to back for them to go into the summer break with, which is which is very nice to see. Yeah. Mm. Um, so onto the race, um, and the starting grid was uh, was a, was, a, was an interesting one. We had Verstappen on pole, um, Bottas in second, Hamilton third, and then I think it was uh, Leclerc fourth and yeah. Vettel fifth. Is that right? So sort of. Yep. Teammate, teammates the opposite way round to what you'd been expecting in recent races, other than obviously Verstappen being ahead of, of Gasly, who was all the way down in, I want to say, eighth? Uh, no, he was sixth. So he was sixth, wasn't he? He yeah, was ahead yeah, of the McLarens, so. but not by much. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the end of the race, <laughs> um, which <laughs> it wasn't eighth either. It was someone else. Anyway, we'll sixth. get to that. We'll get to that. Um, race start, great start from from Verstappen and a really good start from Bottas, who was pretty much alongside Verstappen into turn one. But um, in being alongside him, he kind of, he, he outbraked himself, didn't he? Let's face it. Yeah, Bottas kind of ruined his race before turn one, didn't he? The second he touched the brakes, his race was kind of ruined at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, he was all out of shape into turn one, um, which allowed the cars behind, including Hamilton and even uh, even Leclerc, I think it was, to to really close in on him. And um, even Sainz was getting up alongside on the front. Yeah, it was Sainz it was, was alongside the front. back, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it really, it's amazing there wasn't a, a big shunt at the start of that race because normally when someone has a big moment like that at the front, it, it does Constantina down and you get little collisions and knocks and bumps, but it was all neat and tidy turn one. Yeah, we don't we don't get many big turn one incidents this, I can't really think of one this season, like uh, a big multiple car instant it doesn't tend to happen so much does it these days just hold on we've got spa turn one that's notorious for it we do have spa it's, coming up yeah that will undo we all can of get that yeah year. yeah yeah there's plenty of time for it there's plenty of season left <laughs> yeah and monza as well that's another good one singapore <laughs> yeah singapore for sure there's um, plenty of first turn chaos to come second half will make up for it <laughs> are you finished <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i might be able to figure some more hang on um japan <laughs> Can you believe we're 12 races into the season and it's only just gone halfway? Yeah, it's yeah. it's the long old seasons these days and, mm-hmm. and about to get longer. Season. Yeah, um, but we'll get to that as well. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, so um, where were we? Bottas, terrible start. Um, Hamilton runs around the outside of uh, turn two on Bottas and gets the inside line, which puts him even more out of shape when they get to turn three, to kink into turn three. And um, he sort of pushes him a little bit wide. Bottas is fishtailing down the road, and this allows Leclerc to get right alongside him, well ahead of him. And um, it sort of brings us to our first real talking point of uh, of the episode. The Bottas Leclerc, sort of, I want to call it a collision, but it was it was barely a collision. It was more of a tap, but it did it did enough to to shave the end plate off of uh, Bottas's front wing. Um, I'm just wondering if you guys have an opinion as to who's at fault, if anyone. Is it a racing incident? How do you feel about it? Well, it's, this is an interesting one because, look, if you watch the onboards they showed you during the race, it looks an awful lot like Leclerc just drifted across the track and into Bottas' front wing. But then after the race, the stewards have said they looked at it. Uh, they basically said the helicopter shot from above makes it look like a very different incident to the onboards. And based on that, they, if anything, they said it was more Bottas' fault for sticking his nose at the inside of where Leclerc was going. But I don't know, Like you, you don't drift to the left-hand side halfway up that straight up the hill. It, it's a, it seems like a weird decision to me. Well, Tom, Tom, what about you? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I think it's fairly racing incident to me. Like he's, he's trying to shut the door a little bit. And I think Bottas is also trying to move back onto the more natural racing line. And it, it comes back to that old saying of six of one, half a dozen of the other. Like they've both sort mm. of moved in that general direction to me. And it's not that either's trying to cut the other off. It's just that Leclerc's trying to sort of assert the dominance of I'm more than a half a car length in front of you. And Bottas is trying to get back on the racing line to get the best line to have a run through the uh, the left hander at the top of the hill. And I think it's just a bit of poor judgment from them both. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't apportion blame either way, realistically. Yeah, it's a classic case of both drivers wanting to be on the exact same patch of tarmac, isn't it? Yeah. And I do um, think a factor as well is Bottas sort of trying to stay alongside him is much like we saw in Germany, a driver with a bit of pressure on his shoulders trying a bit too hard, maybe. Mm. yeah absolutely there's definitely an air of that about it um i I took a look so i read the same thing you guys must have read today about um why the stewards came to the sort of conclusion that they did and i because i can i took i downloaded the footage and took a look at the footage um from from the incident because i was really curious as to how you know what they're saying from the helicopter shot compared to what you do see in, in Vettel's on board and in both their on boards is it is quite different. But when you do watch the footage, like there is a definite sort of twitch to the right hand side from Bottas from the helicopter shot. Oh, interesting. Um, and also interesting is the fact that on on uh, Bottas is on board his steering wheel is just ever so slightly angled to the right the whole way down that straight. And Leclerc's is angled ever so slightly to the left the whole way down that straight. <laughs> well. um, and I, what they are right in saying is that from, from Vettel's point of view behind them, it does create the illusion that, um, that Leclerc swung to the left. But actually what you're seeing there is... Vettel swing to the right to take the corner and Vettel actually he, he lifts off because he Vettel's behind them thinking these are about to have the 
absolute <laughs> shunt of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm getting out of the way. Um, so he pulls back, and that's another factor because he slows down. That makes it look even more weird. Um, I think what the stewards are very coyly doing is saying it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah, we didn't want to apportion blame, and I think I think that is fair. Um, it would have been a shame if there'd been a penalty given either way, I think, for that. And and to be fair, Bottas has got enough of a penalty by losing his front wing, even exactly. if he did turn in. Yeah, and in a way, he's a little bit lucky that in both the, the little contact with Hamilton earlier on and that, he's not like uh, slashed a rear tyre of somebody that yeah. was ahead of him because it might have been a little bit of a different story, I guess, in those scenarios. But Yeah, and it yeah. does also just go to show why the stewards sometimes take a while to come to these decisions because it just shows that the same incident from two different camera angles can look like two different people's fault. So yeah. it shows why they need to take time and look at every bit of evidence they can to make these decisions. Yeah. Um, I blame Ericsson myself. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be a race without blaming Ericsson for something. <laughs> um, um, so Ferrari's race overall... Um, while we're on the subject of the Ferraris, I, what do we think to that? I don't. I don't. I feel like they didn't have. Obviously, well, they clearly didn't have the the best race um, of the three top teams. Yeah. I mean, other than just after that incident, uh, Vettel got past Bottas, and then that was basically all the Ferraris saw of any other car the whole race, wasn't it? They kind of just tootled around in third and fourth for. The rest of the race not going anywhere near anyone until they got near each other on like yeah. a couple of laps from the end. Yeah. So yeah, I the other thing I did today was I watched the entire of um, Vettel's race from on board at <laughs> five times speed. That sounds dull. <laughs> yeah, it well, it was maybe the most boring fifteen minutes I've spent of my entire life. <laughs> so goodness knows what it was like for Vettel driving around all day. But um yeah, so he was they, they kind of they were relatively close together early on. Um and then Vettel just sort of dropped back and 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 ran around him for for a while. Um, took a di- took a different strategy and took the uh, softer tire towards the end, um, mm. and caught with his teammate and um, made the move using a better strategy in the end. So my sort of point here is that I feel like once again Vettel has got started behind and got <laughs> the favoured strategy and gone on to win the race. So yeah. How do we feel about that? You know, it's just, well, it I mean, feels like a classic Ferrari move to me. I think at the point they decided to try and extend that first stint to do a different strategy, it wasn't necessarily obviously the best strategy, I don't think. Like, mm. I, th- I think that was kind of Vettel. He was in fourth. He could see he wasn't going to catch Leclerc. So uh, Gasly's obviously never going to catch him. So <laughs> let's just like try something different and see what happens. So I'm not sure this is necessarily Ferrari games this time. I think it's just Vettel had a gamble and it paid off for him. Yeah. But I mean, they were basically racing each other and no one else, were they? It was it was a pretty dire and race for them, really. I think that's why the strategy call came about, to be honest, because much like the other one that I'm sure we'll talk about very shortly, it was a, right, there isn't realistically anything that we're going to lose by taking this punt. And if it ends up being better, that's a win. Yeah. So let's just take the risk. And I think that's maybe what the Vettel choice was. It was, look, it's it's only Charles ahead of us. Um, 
we're not realistically catching the front two. Let's go for something a bit different and see if we can make something out of it. And mm. ultimately, I guess it gained him a place on his teammates, but it gained them a place. So the strategy did work to a degree, but as an overall thing, Ferrari still see that as a 3-4, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, would would it have happened if it had been the other way around? You know, would would they have pitted um, Leclerc for a faster strategy in the hope that he could overtake Vettel and come in? Yeah, down the maybe. Himself? I don't maybe think not. Would, I don't think they would. No, uh, but I, I think Vettel would have still gotten that um, priority call. I, I think if it had been Vettel third and Leclerc fourth, if that was an option, they'd have possibly still done it. Even if Vettel was ahead and giving it, still giving it to Vettel because officially he is like number one driver, team leader, isn't he? So he gets yeah. first refusal on something like that. Uh, yeah, it's true. True, but th- that doesn't give you carte blanche to give him the it's just just side with him every time and give him the race. I mean, it's a few Ferrari. Yeah, it's up to Ferrari what they choose to do, isn't it? Like it, when you <laughs> when you sign that contract in that other car in, in a Ferrari, though, you know full well this stuff's going to happen. I'm not saying it should, yeah. but it's very different to signing a contract with other teams. Like you know that you're a number two driver, and I think it's been the same at Ferrari for 50 years. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think it'll ever change either. Yeah. To their to their credit, though, like Leclerc didn't weigh Vettel pass like. He had to no, he put a move on him not. to take third, which was something at least. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was a half-hearted defence, I thought, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's more aggressive than it could have been, I think. It wasn't Vettel, like... At that point, Vettel was on such better tyres that he just absolutely... He was kind of inevitable, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he was always going to school him into turn one. So um, in conclusion to that, what we're saying is actually Ferrari do have carte blanche to uh, <laughs> basically one yeah. driver go for, go in front. I think their bigger issue is the fact that they're a minute behind Hamilton and like forty seconds behind Verstappen. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, th- yeah, that's the real big thing that I want to get at is where has Ferrari's pace gone? Well, Benotto reckons that high downforce tracks like this sort of <clears throat> overemphasize the issues they've got. So it's not like the gap has genuinely got that much bigger. It's that this car particularly emphasizes the issues they've got and when they go back to a faster track they'll be better again it also kind of backs up that history that it's a bit more of a red bull favored circuit as well yeah Yeah. because that's generally how their cars are usually set up is quite high downforce yeah they do like the tight twisties don't they They like Mm. like a monaco they like a hungary yeah Um, whereas spa i feel like ferrari are going to be very quick there yeah, but I mean, they should have been quick in um, Austria, though. Austria is a fast track; it's a power circuit. True, true, and they were quite well. But that's Ferrari <laughs> season, isn't it? They're not necessarily quick when where you expect them to be. Sometimes they're quick where you don't expect them to be, and no one quite yeah. seems to know why. Yeah, <laughs> whenever they are quick, their turbos go pop or something <laughs> happens to the engine. Yeah. Um, do so. What are we saying that Ferrari are going to sort of be able to beat be back on top in in? Uh, in Belgium and in every and time in, I say that Hamilton wins, so I'm not going to say anything just yet. <laughs> every time you say anything, Hamilton wins. This season <laughs> is the problem there. That's not just it's not categorized specifically to Ferrari comments. It's no, it's true. Every word that comes out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on. Um, 
Below average race for Ferrari. Um, amazing race for McLaren and particularly for yeah. Sainz. Um, brings it back in P5, albeit a lap down, but still P5, best of the rest and then some. Um, on, and on Norris, a slow stop sort of dropped him down to from P6 down to finish the race eventually in ninth. Um, it was a little bit unfortunate. It was a, I think it was a sticky wheel nut that, that got him. Yeah, um, there, was, there were a lot of slow stops this race, weren't there? Yeah, there were a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, let's uh, let's focus on science. Science um, did an amazing job. Yeah, uh, he, he also another driver who had a pretty lonely race. Actually, if you look at the lap chart, it's just a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> he had um, Gasly for company for the last number of laps, though. I think he had to he had to fight off Gasly a bit towards the end. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking now. Um, yeah, it was yeah, Gasly still. Yeah, still damn impressive again. Um, yeah, he, it's it's interesting that McLaren, like we, we from the start of the season, we talked about how interesting this McLaren pairing is going to be. And for the first several races, it looked like Norris had just hit the ground running and kind of had the measure. But Sainz has definitely, I think Sainz has probably been the faster driver for the last three, maybe four races. Um, he's definitely sort of, overcome Norris some more it's, it's a really interesting battle between the two of them yeah it's, and what's amazing is they're getting on so well as well they seem yeah. to everything they do together they seem to be having a whale of a time and they you know <laughs> they, they game together and stuff as well don't they so they've got a really good relationship despite being so competitive with each other um I do wonder if Norris had not had his um his sticky wheel whether or not that relationship would still be in such good form because they were running quite close together yeah, um, just before that pit stop. And then, yeah, fifth and sixth, and then Norris just sort of got dropped back into oblivion a little bit, really. Um, I think we were robbed a bit of a race there. I, I would have liked to watch that pan out. It would have been nice, yeah. I mean, Norris is like 38 points. No, sorry, 34 points behind signs now. So he he's going to be keen to get a few results over the top of him. So, yeah, that could have been quite yeah. tasty, but... Maybe next time. He's, yeah. We've got to remember, Norris is still a rookie. Like, yeah, it's easy he to does forget. not drive. Like, there were a few moments earlier in the season, I think, where we saw he's still adjusting to the formula and adjusting to the racecraft of Formula One. But I think his just natural ability and, and honestly his maturity has really come through sort of through the mid part of the season that we've had so far. Because although science has been beating him, um, in a few race results, it's not it's not getting to him. He's still performing, and realistically, when he's had those slightly uncharacteristic bad f- performances, it's not necessarily been down to him. It's it's sort of bad luck elsewhere that can't really be prevented. Um, yeah. So, and and I think considering it's his first year, we've got a lot of potential there. Yeah, I sure. think in Norris and Russell, we've probably got two of the better f2 drivers that have come up in a very long time um, yeah i'd agree with that i mean obviously the Claire was like the big one for a long time but um and honestly i wouldn't put albon that far behind them either like albon's been yeah. doing a very very good job as well yeah definitely yeah absolutely um speaking of album there was a big toro rosso battle sort of relatively early on in the race yeah. so that battle was won by caveat but um album would win the war and finish the race ahead up in 10th place the last of the points um uh he took a one-stop strategy he managed to conserve his tires where caveat had to pit um in the dying laps of the race to uh 
to get himself on fresh rubber because he just couldn't couldn't keep it on the island. Um, I think he was best pleased after the race of Viat. He felt like he'd been kind of... Uh, it felt like Albi would given the better strategy by the team, but then, I mean, you have to look after your tyres, and he didn't at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess now would be a good time, speaking of looking after tyres, <laughs> to talk about the duel, as I've called mm. it. Yes. Um, and... Yeah, so just to start with, before we fully get into this, one of my favorite things about this race is that it was a very pure race. It, there, there was no silly safety cars, there was no rain, yeah. there was no madness. It was just wheel to wheel, who's the fastest man in the fastest car, who can who yeah, can do really this was. kind of thing, who can stay ahead, who can get ahead and stay ahead. And and, and had a little bit of an element of the, the team strategy call involved as well. Yep. Yeah, well... As in, from a tire yeah, point of view. Absolutely. Um, so, um, just to sort of summarise what happened, um, Verstappen, obviously, in the lead of the race, being chased by Hamilton. Hamilton is having a few bites of the cherry on his uh, hard tyres, but um, I think he'd seen the best of his tyres and he was he, he started to... They had a really, really close run-in and Hamilton went wide again at the kink and um, had to... He got ahead of him but had to give back the position because he essentially overtook him off track. Yeah. And at that point, he'd, obviously, you get a lot of gubbins on your wheels. You have to. That's going to slow you down a little bit, get everything cooled down, get everything cleaned up before you can have another attack. And um, a few laps after that, what... Mercedes decided to do was pull him in and put him on a different tire in the hope that he could catch him towards the end and get past him, um, which he did. A couple of, couple of sort of theories flying around as to w- whether or not it was the best idea for Red Bull to stay out. Um, but my own feeling on it before I ask you guys is... They were Rebel were backed into a corner. There was nothing yeah. they could do at that point. Once Hamilton had pitted, it was already too late for them to bring Verstappen in. They would have lost the race at that point. What do you guys think? Uh, they they had to do it immediately. It had to be that next lap around, I think, yeah. because the way that the gaps were working in terms of the times between them and stuff like that, there was just about enough time in it that if they'd have got him in straight away, but it forced Red Bull's hand and... I can see why trying to hang it out on the tyres he was on was the ultimate call that they went for because Hamilton at that point had a 20-second gap to make up and with 20 laps left, even on new tyres, it meant he had to be consistently, on average, a second or more a lap quicker. And ultimately he was, that's by the by, but I think that when you stacked with those odds in a car that Red Bull know that if they do pit him and have both cars on fresh rubber with Lewis right behind Max, they might not necessarily win that fight in direct sort of wheel-to-wheel because the Mercedes is, generally speaking, the better car. And even though it's hard to overtake at Hungary, I think that doing what they did was probably ultimately the, the right call and they just didn't bank on how much pace Lewis really had in clean air. Because we'd not seen it at that point in the race until that point in the race, had we? Realistically, absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I completely agree. I think. I mean, even if they'd have pitted Verstappen straight away, there's a moderately good chance Hamilton would have ended up ahead of him after the pit stops anyway. But yeah. I think the thing is, by by choosing to pit as well, 
you're kind of doing all the hard work for Hamilton yourself. Like you're better off, as you say, Tom, staying out ahead. And then Hamilton's got to actually physically make up that time, driving flat out, navigating back markers, which is very tricky at that track. So you don't want to pit knowing that it'll put Hamilton immediately behind you and do all that hard work for him. I think it was, yeah. it was the right choice, but it was just... Mm. Mercedes just outmaneuvered them at the end of the day um, yeah. and had a much faster car, which helps. Yeah, I think the the difference is how much earlier Max had to go onto those hards compared to Lewis. Had that been different and Max had been able to stretch that first stint out as long as Lewis did, we might not have seen either the risk from Mercedes or we might not have seen Lewis actually be able to catch and pass Max because those extra few laps of life in the tyre is ultimately kind of what what it comes back to because it was, what, 67 or 68 out of 70, wasn't it? It was only two or three laps left when it happened. So it comes back to the fact that the Mercedes is better on its (laughs) tyres. That's what that's yeah. come back to. There's there is that, and um, the, the fact that Verstappen was first, it, Verstappen pitted on lap twenty six, Hamilton pitted on lap thirty two. Yeah, so he, he he was on eight lap younger tires, um, and obviously Verstappen had done all that defending on that same set of tires as well. Remember, yeah. So he, he they've been battling, um, yeah, already. And Hamilton at that point was always going to be from you know from lap thirty two. Hamilton was on younger tyres and was always going to be on younger tyres until the end of the race, no matter yeah. what. So straight away, you've got that working against you if you're Max Verstappen. The thing you've got working with you is the fact that it is hungry. It's a very difficult track to overtake. And you're Max Verstappen. You're a very difficult person to overtake. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, I think, uh, you know, when on lap 49, when they brought Hamilton in, if yeah, if 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 Max had pitted, he I think he would have come out behind. And even if they'd pitted him straight away, he would have come back behind, come out behind. And then, like you guys say, all the hard work is absolutely done for Hamilton mm. because he's got track position. Yeah, your tires are a couple of laps younger, but well, a lap younger. But he's got track position. You're not getting past him. He's, your car's not quick enough to get past him. He's going to sail off into the distance. So. They like like we say they were backed they were backed into a corner. There was nothing they could really do at that point other than try and defend it, look after the tires, yeah. and try and defend it. And all credit to Hamilton because Hamilton put in some of the most consistent laps yeah. you have ever seen on a lap chart. That that line is just listen to this. It's like so. This is in seconds seventy eight sec seventy eight point six eight eight seconds seventy eight point five six six point five two eight. 0.575, all 78, and then finally 78.785, 78.854, and then he's really on him, um, and he, make, he, get, he gets the move done. And, it's like yeah. six laps all within a tenth of each other, like that yeah. is... Yeah, and they're quality wild. laps as well. Yeah, yeah. proper quality laps. In, in as great as a driver as Max is, I don't think if they'd have pitted him, he'd have realistically been able to defend for twenty laps. No. Um, against a Lewis Hamilton in a Mercedes with the bit between his teeth, and I think mm. that pace when Lewis had clean air and again had the bit between his teeth, and it's like right, I've got to do these times if I'm going to have any chance of catching him for this win that's when Lewis is at his best usually when he's got that drive and I think that 
as good as Max is, he would have always had to defend from Lewis, no matter what the situation was. And I think after what happened in Germany, Lewis had that added determination as well of, yeah, it's not happening again. Like I'm getting that top step and I'm getting those 25 points this week yeah. and making up for what happened. Absolutely. I just want to put out that the 80.945 that I mentioned, that was the lap, lap 66 when he did make the move. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do remember uh, thinking cool. when Hamilton was bearing down Verstappen what the odds would be at that point in time on a Ferrari 1-2, just in case. <laughs> yeah, it would have been worth a little punt, wouldn't it? It might have been, yeah. It was, to go back to like the early battle as well, It's Mercedes were biding their time for quite a while. Like I think that first stint sort of lulled everyone into this false sense of security that Mercedes didn't have an answer to Verstappen. But when... After the first pit stops, Hamilton decided, okay, now's the time to attack. I mean, yes, he was helped a bit by backmarkers, but he closed that gap in no time at all. Like, Martin Brundle suddenly went, oh, Hamilton's there. Like, where'd he come from? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he just appeared behind him in his gearbox out of nowhere. It caught so, the director out. Like, even the director yeah. wasn't watching it. And then suddenly we were like, we, you tune to the front and it's, oh, out of nowhere, Hamilton's there. It was so, crazy. which probably he's one of the reasons why they decided to make the stop because they knew he just had that pace in hand if he needed it. Yeah. And on fresh tyres as well, it was... Yeah, you got to feel sorry for Verstappen. Like, he didn't really do anything wrong that race, but he was just completely helpless by the end. Yeah. Um, but what a treat it gave us. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was definitely. very compelling. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, I've, actually, I want to continue on this because... Mercedes as well. We haven't given Mercedes the sort of the credit that they deserve for actually making the call and taking the risk. Making a pit stop at that point in the race is risky biscuits. Like so much can go wrong in that yeah. pit box. We saw like a number of cars have, um, you know, wheel gun trouble, um, sticky wheels, all that kind of thing. Anything Mercedes like included. That. Yeah, including Mercedes actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, like and Ferrari as well. Vettel had a slow stop. Even yeah. though he still managed to catch his team, Vettel, his front right was slow going on, and it, it was it cost him a good few seconds. So any of those little tiny things, you might argue that he had such a pace advantage on Verstappen that it was absolutely well worth the risk. But still, you know, it only takes one little thing to go wrong, and it can end your race in the pit stop. Mm. So, but we we've said this before. It's it's this level of self-confidence and self-belief that Mercedes seem to have above everybody else. Like when Mercedes make these decisions, they have complete faith in themselves to do it and get it right to the best of their ability. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of other teams would have ummed and ahed and faltered a bit with that decision having to be made. I, what I was about to add to that is you're describing exactly the difference between them and for example, Ferrari who, make the bad call a lot of the time or don't make a yeah. call at all and it ends up being the wrong thing to do. Or they'll take 10 laps to make it. Yeah, yeah. and it's that it, you have to be very sort of in the moment and on it and Mercedes, generally speaking, are when it comes to stuff like that. And maybe it's the position of dominance that they found themselves in for the last few years that it's almost like, look, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, we know we've got the car, the driver, and yeah, so on yeah. to be able to overcome it long term. Whereas not a lot of the other teams have got that confidence to think if this goes wrong, we can overcome it. So they're, they're a lot more tentative about making uh, taking that risk. Yeah. You've absolutely taken the words out of my mouth there. It's, hmm. yeah, the, it's easy to make, to, to sort of, 
make the strategic throwdown, if you like, when you've got absolute confidence in your car and your two drivers that the pace is there to back you up if you do get these decisions slightly wrong. Um, and I guess it's the same in the inner pit stop. You can afford to take that little gamble because you know the driver and the car are going to make up for the lost time yeah. if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... I wish you'd not said it. I really wanted to make that point myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was the duel. That was that was the sort of the the race, really, wasn't it? And it it was really entertaining. It did treat us to like you know the fourth the fourth top race in a row. And yeah, re- it was great. It's been really really good this last four races because we've had four really great races for four different reasons. I think no no two of these races have been quite the same have they no actually no. it's like i said earlier this was quite a pure race whereas germany was obviously just absolute chaos <laughs> yeah. um silverstone kind of had safety cars to bring people back together to make it exciting and stuff so yeah mm. there's, we've, we've kind of had the full banquet in the last few races of everything yeah, f1 yeah. can offer really and don't forget um austria where verstappen sort of had a, a bit of a mare of a start and then just yeah. had the car to f- race fair and square through the field and that gave us a really really cool yeah. narrative as well so yeah it's been yeah. it's been cracking and i it really has i almost don't want to go on all day i almost <laughs> want the next race to be next week well maybe not next week but the week after please <laughs> <laughs> this was um this is one of those annoying races where like after i watched it my girlfriend was like oh who won i say hamilton and she kind of rolls her eyes and goes oh, again I'm like no 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 but Classic. yes hamilton won but all these other things happened it was actually really yeah. good it wasn't easy for him this week no this, not at all this is the thing like despite like whatever allegiances i take i hate seeing the same person just win without any like challenge against them yeah. week after week, race after race. And this is a perfect example of Lewis having to fight for a win. And yeah, fair enough, the car was better than the Red Bull, but he still had to fight for it and they still had to go out there and put it on the line with this strategy call to yeah. try and perform that leapfrog. And it, it took some like it took something interesting for as a viewer to actually get the mm. win rather than yeah. just watching the same car going round in the lead for 70 yeah, laps. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think it means more to him as well. Like he always yeah. seems to relish these sort of wins more than where he's just led from the front. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think a big part of it for me as well is the, it's that narrative between sort of the older champion. Not I, want, I, I'm, I mean, I'm reticent to use the words old, word old because he's only a year older than me, Hamilton. But, um, <laughs> there's, there's that. And then there's, there's the champion and there's the young gun, isn't there? Yeah. And, it's it's a narrative that's been sort of brewing for a while. Like we know Verstappen's really, really quick. We know if he's got the car, he will be fighting for championships. And it's kind of given us what we never quite got with Hamilton and Vettel. Even last season, we kind of expected it to unfold last season and it Mm. more unraveled than unfolded. Whereas this season, it does, it is starting to look like towards the second half of the season, Hamilton might have a bit of a fight on his hands. Mm. Like that Red Bull is, just seems to be getting quicker and quicker. What about Bottas as well? He's now, is it four points behind Bottas? He's really yeah, close. He's, the gap. He's oh, sorry, seven points, points behind Bottas. Very close. Is it seven? Yeah. It's like, still, that's, that's uncomfortably close for Bottas. Yeah. Like Max Verstappen managing to get himself to second in that championship would show the talent that he actually is. Because 
don't get me wrong, the Red Bull Honda is a lot better than the last few Red Bulls that we've seen, but it it shouldn't be realistically beating a Mercedes in the single driver's standings unless it's being driven to its absolute limit, like what Max drives it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that shows a lot if he, if he manages to overtake Bottas in the standings. Yeah, well, a lot of people are pegging Verstappen as the best driver on in Formula 1 at the moment. I was about to ask you exactly that, actually. On current form, I wouldn't dispute it, to be brutally honest with you. Like, he's he's shown so much skill, talent, persistence, like, all, all the qualities that you need. And as much as Hamilton's got them as well, we see it from him all the time. And we've I don't know, we've just seen what I think is Max being able to take a fight to him in inferior machinery. And I would mm. love for that Red Bull to be actually on par with the Mercedes or Max to be in that Ferrari that is supposed to be on par with that Mercedes. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? Like just that yeah. one last step to actually have a fight yeah, totally. between them. Yeah, I'd, I'd go as far. I, I wouldn't myself. I wouldn't put Verstappen as the best driver in Formula One at the moment. I'd put him probably put him as the second best driver in Formula One after Lewis I was going to say, I'd say he's second at worst. Yeah. She's not a bad place to be. I, I will say that um, after he got that pole position this weekend, he looked like he'd gone from. He looked like he'd matured into a man when he got out of that car as a result <laughs> of that pole position. He looked like a different person. Honestly, I think he looked like a different it's person. It's definitely like, a monkey off his back, I think, because I feel like that's. Like, journalists love to bring up these little stats here and there. And, like, the fact he's never had a pole was something a lot of people love to kind of bring up whenever they were talking about him. And it's just kind of one more thing that is another box is ticked kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. it's it, To me, it's a really, really tantalizing prospect for the next few years. Hamilton trying to sort of become the goat, if you like. Yeah. And um, Verstappen being the man, you know, knocking on the door, trying to chase him down. It's It almost reminds me of sort of the Alonso Schumacher sort of era where Alonso was the young gun and he was taking the fight to Schumacher. Yeah, totally. Which was a fantastic period. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm right in saying he's scored more points than anyone else in the last three or four races. He must have. He done. has. It wouldn't surprise yeah, that scored everyone that he's won them as well. Yeah. Well, Hamilton really had the retirement in Germany. Yeah, and yeah, of course. Yeah. No, but not retirement ninth place. Nearly a retirement. Ninth yeah, place. <laughs> a, a retirement by Mercedes and Lewis. Yeah, standards. yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. two points. <laughs> Bottas had the retirement, didn't he? That's that, and that's yeah. how the gap's closed because Bottas's retirement. That's, yes, that's what's exactly. really closed that gap down. Um, so just to round off the race, if you guys are ready to do that, are you? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So um, Gasly, um, on the subject of Red Bull, Gasly lapped by his teammate. Um, not a good look. Actually, this is something else I wanted to bring up. In the Verstappen-Hamilton duel, especially towards the end, what Verstappen needed was a teammate yeah. running in a sort of moderately close third place to either stop Mercedes using that strategy or to get in Hamilton's way to help Verstappen out a bit. And right now, in terms of fighting for race wins, Red Bull are running as a one-car team, aren't they, really? Yeah. There's I... a subtle irony as well. I believe it was Christian Horn who brought it up, saying if Bottas hadn't had his issues and was behind Lewis where, in theory, he should have been, um, then Mercedes probably wouldn't have tried what they tried because they wouldn't have had the gap back because mm. he would have let... Either that or they would have had to make Bottas move yeah. over when Lewis caught him back up. And and you would. that's I think mm. that they would have done that. They would have said, 
Hamilton's had a different strategy to you. He's going for the race win, let him through, and that would have been that. No yeah. doubt about that in my mind. But um, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right in what you say about Gasly. Like he should have, he absolutely should have been there to support his teammate. It's a team sport, and if you know, if you're not, he's not quick enough, is he? He's just not quick enough. Do you know what's interesting as well? This race, he finished sixth, lapped by the leader. This race last year in a Toro Rosso, he finished sixth and he was actually the last car on the lead lap. Yeah. And in fact, we gave him driver of the day last year as well for this race. Wow. Oh, wow. That's what a difference a year makes, eh? What a, yeah. Wow. So is it in exactly the same position, in almost the exact same situation? And I can tell you, he's not getting driver of the day today. No. <laughs> <laughs> anything else to add to that? No, I was trying to think yeah. anything else worth mentioning while we're wrapping up. Well, we've got Bottas, Bottas eighth in the end, um, also a lap down. Um, we've kind of touched on Bottas. He, he, he did, you know, he's made a few moves. He, he came back through the field, but he, he, his race was over sort of in the run, 100 metres from yeah. turn one, wasn't it really? From it's another opportunity he had to take some points out of Hamilton starting ahead of him on the grid. And I mean, look, he's got, he's yeah. fallen even further behind. Yeah. And the, the thing I wanted to say about Bottas in this situation is we're right before the summer break. We're, we're, it's basically now silly season. He needed a really, really good performance this weekend to sort of get him back in, yeah. in the chat, a, in the championship fight and b in the fight for his seat. And yeah, yeah he's not done himself any favors. Um, these last two races. Well, from what Toto said in interviews this weekend, it's a case of it is between him and Ocon. There's nobody else in contention for the seat, and um, the decision will be made during the summer break. Whether it's announced or not is another matter, but that's mm. that's what he said from the horse's mouth is he would make yeah. the decision. Because he was also asked, does Lewis have any say in who his teammate is? And Toto just bluntly said no. Like I've asked his opinion, but it doesn't make any <laughs> bearing on the decision that we make. So, I think I know what Lewis's opinion would be on those two teammates. Yeah, I think I do too. <laughs> well, what's that? But, what do you What do you think? Oh, he did. He'd more than happily have Bottas stay. Yeah, he doesn't want feisty, <laughs> feisty young Ocon alongside him. That's, but it'd be more difficult to have as a teammate. Um, I think he'd have the measure of Ocon. I don't think Ocon's anything like good enough to beat Hamilton. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's more, he'd be a lot more aggressive about his driving style against him in similar machinery. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Yeah, there's a possibility. Like, Bottas but then, gets it, his elbows out when he needs to, obviously, but I think what from what we've seen from Ocon in the past, he could be like that just constantly um, and maybe costing Lewis more than, well, think about think about him and Perez. And what was happening with him and Perez all the time? Yeah, but I, I appreciate that. Like, I, 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 but the difference there is there was a really strong rivalry between those two to who's going to stay in that seat in the car. They were sort of in competition, almost fighting for their own championship. True. And I just don't think Ocon would have the the stones to fight for a championship against Hamilton yet. I think in the future he would, but like in his first year of Mercedes, I don't think he'd he'd be very distinctly number two driver. Ocon, he's too young to face Hamilton. See, I the thing is, like right now, Ocon's F1 career is hanging by a thread, I would say. And if he got given a top seat, I think he would have 
go all out to keep hold of it. Like, yeah. if he if he does just sit there and come third and fourth every race, he's probably not going to have that seat much longer. He, I think he would go all out to try and beat Hamilton as often as he could to prove he was supposed to be there. And I, I do feel like that relationship could uh, flare up be, from time to time. Yeah, be a tense. Yeah, in a way that Hamilton and Bottas just doesn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason Hamilton and Bottas don't is because Hamilton because Bottas isn't quick enough. He's not quick enough. Well, he has been at points in the season. They they, they have fought wheel to wheel from time to time, and Bottas has beaten him occasionally. And even when they've had like fought wheel to wheel, it's been very well measured, and they've come out of it without arguing and and having things to say about each other. But the problem you have there, Chris, is occasionally. He's 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 not consistent enough. He's not strong enough. Yeah, but that but this that's. That's my point with Ocon. I don't believe I don't believe Ocon would be any better at beating Hamilton than Bottas is. But I think when they went wheel to wheel, I think it would get potentially More get spice. a lot messier than it does. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. Without sort of giving away too much uh, before next week's episode, that's why I think Mercedes are going to land the way they are um, with their driver choice. Okay. Well, you didn't give anything away there, so well done. <laughs> um, be very coy. Yeah, and that was the race. Bottas was eighth in the end. Um, uh, driver of the day. Should we pick a driver of the day? Yes. I think for me, it's probably going to be science. And I guess that's a little bit of my McLaren bias showing. But mm-hmm. to be fifth and ahead of teams that like realistically you wouldn't necessarily expect, like albeit down to strategy and incidents in the race and stuff, Still a very, very solid drive. Very solid drive. Chris? um, I mean, it's like Verstappen didn't put a foot wrong the entire race. I think this is one of Verstappen's better races. They just got outmaneuvered, so it's hard to look past him. I mean, Hamilton as well, Like that final stint that Hamilton put in to take the win was so impressive. And I did have signs written down as well. Of the three, I actually think I might go for Hamilton just for the way he closed down that gap at the end. There was some impressive consistency there. In that yeah, stint. this is where Stu says Verstappen, and we're no closer. To yeah, well, we're going to be we're going to be a hung podcast again, aren't we? Um, I, uh, I don't like having casting vote. I mean, I was I was kind of leaning towards science just because Hamilton, Verstappen, you, Hamiltons and Verstappens of the world always get driver of the day, and it's a bit boring for us. It's the same same I mean, uh, same person, but. I can't take away Hamilton's um, his consistency and th- those closing laps. It didn't for a moment. It didn't look like he was going to do it, and then it was hammer time, and he put the hammer down. And my goodness, did he quickly catch up? Verstappen, yeah, like you say, didn't put a foot wrong. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was the car, it was the tires. They he he got the maximum out of the car, and the, it just wasn't enough. Um, Science again got the absolute maximum out of the car. Was a great driver. Um, fought off, held off Kvyat at the end. Was it? No, sorry, uh, uh, Gasly. Gasly at the end. <laughs> Maybe it should have been Kvyat. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Science. I think holding off um, Gasly at the end in a, in in theoretically superior machinery is. Um, is worthy of driver of the day. So I'm, yeah. I'm more than happy to go along with that. Okay, cool. Uh, move of the day. Um, I've got six written down. Here. Yeah. 
Which is wild for Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there were um, six moves full stop last year. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like a lot of the overtakes and a lot of the position changes this race were done because of pit stops or because of um, errors, I guess, or like slow pit stops, things like that. That Obviously, there weren't many offs and stuff. We didn't see anyone, you know, there was only, the only retirement was um, Grosjean um, midway through the race. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Move of the day. Um, Leclerc on Bottas, I've got at the start of the race. Um, he, was, he kind of burgled that position for him when Hamilton <laughs> got through. Um, I've got Hamilton on Bottas through two into three. Um, that was very good. That, yeah, that was I ran good. the outside. That was masterful. Um, Kvyat and Albon, um, when, you know, they, they were really, really dueling for, I mean, a whole bunch of corners. Proper wheel to wheel, very professional. No contact, just really, really hard racing. Um, I imagine over the summer break, um, Gunter Steiner's going to be showing a video of that to his two drivers saying, look, this is how yeah. you do it. Yes. You're racing your teammate, do. do it like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a defensive move. I've got def- Verstappen defending Hamilton through turn four um, when he was really, really under pressure and Hamilton actually did go off the track, as we mentioned. Um I thought that was really, really good driving as well. Yeah. Because um, he didn't push him off the track necessarily. Just Hamilton got his car in the wrong position and took the corner too quick. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, Verstappen just took the right defensive line to put Hamilton in the wrong place. Yep. Um, another one. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to do them all. Um, Norris around the outside of Magnussen into turn one. Magnussen, notoriously difficult to overtake. He will wriggle around in the breaking zone like you would not believe as Daniel Ricciardo learned this week he was not a happy bunny was he no not at all and who can blame him it was he I gave mean, him I, some choice sign language at the end of the race he did he did he flipped the bird at him, <laughs> at him over the line uh, and then the other one the other move of the day I've got isn't necessarily I suppose you wouldn't really call it a move of the day but I've got it in there anyway. the Mercedes strategy call to take the gamble and to throw down the way they did I think I we've think, given move of the day some more tenuous things than that before so you it's can have true, this one it's true but then we've, <laughs> in those occasions we've not had many overtakes to talk about so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird that we've had quite a few actual on track moves to debate and yeah. that's still the one that we're considering <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean it just shows you what a call it was is the thing yeah. like, I, I think it was absolutely brilliant and it had us all on the edge of our seats for you know the last however many laps it was um so i've given you six to choose from there <laughs> it's tricky actually the two for me are hamilton going around the outside of bottas on the first lap um and the caveat and album going side by side through like turn one two three and four i think it was it's between those for me yeah uh tom what about your what are your two what's your, what's your short list well my have you got before, any others? before your epic list um my choices probably were between the caveat album fight norris on magnuson because it, it takes yeah. some balls to go around the outside of magnuson <laughs> like that and, uh, and, and probably well. the strategy call as well um, that mm. we've already got, so take it big. Okay. <laughs> so if, if if we're a democracy, um, my shortlist would be. Oh no, I'm going to hang us up again. It's I've got Hamilton on Bottas into turn two, through to, through turn two, and into three into the kink. Um, 
and probably the Norris move as well. They're my two favourite moves of the Jimmy, day. I think I'm leaning, everything wins. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Norris myself as my it favorite. It was very good. It, it yeah. Was, it was kind of a, it was a bit of a jaw dropping kind of wow <laughs> wow moment, I thought. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah. But then at the same yeah. time the Kvyat and Album battle was an absolute jaw dropper. It was also well, very it just good. kept going on and on and on and on. <laughs> that's that actually that that's true. Like all the other ones have been like side by side through one of these corners, whereas Kvyat and Album were side by side through all of those corners yeah, and then yeah. some more for good measure. Yeah. I think you that's know what? what I'm giving it. it yeah, I'm giving it to that. I'm giving it to that just for the thrill factor of it. <laughs> it, it, it just it got my heart racing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. For me it's Kvyat on album. Have you, did you guys actually fully decide on or just did I just yeah I, no I can you? agree with that you you were in agreement yeah, that was, it was in yeah. my shortlist so that's fine cool cool let's give it cool, to cool. that then so Kavir and Alan, well done lads <laughs> <laughs> and do, shall we play a sting honestly what the f- are we doing here so I don't know if you would have seen this one on the world feed but Perez closed the door on Alban in the middle of turn one towards the end of the race um, I saw this. On a some video today, actually. Yeah, it that was, was it was silly. It was so kind of nasty, wasn't it? Especially when Perez was then like he bush he barged me out of the way. It's like yeah, he didn't, yeah. Did for, you? He was very cynical for him to turn around and say, "Did you see? Did you see what he did? He pushed me." Is what he said. And poor albums, just like he shut the door mid in the middle of turn in the middle of this corner. Um, yeah, it was absolutely Perez who drove into Albon. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, no, agreed. And yeah, it's more the way that Perez went about his defense of that by basically clearly lying and saying Albon drove into him. It was so obvious yeah. that that wasn't what happened. I just found it really cynical. Um, and the other one I've got down here is Bottas and Leclerc's collision. Um, and Bottas's general just performance in those early moments of the race. Um, I think he, I just think he should be doing way, way, way better than that. He's in the best car on the grid, and you know there were times, but well, there was a few moments in the start of the race where he looked like he didn't have the gear to do the job, and very clearly he has. So yeah, very poor race for him. Yeah, um, have you got any others? My notes contain the phrase "Bottas goes backwards" <laughs> for this section. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my input there. He's probably pretty much the same thing as what you've just said there really wait a minute do you guys actually make notes in like what that aren't part of the main plot? <laughs> <laughs> yes sometimes we take this thing seriously <laughs> Stu. <laughs> um the only things that came to my mind were just before the podium there was a shot through a door of the guys in those really creepy giant oh, yes. heads oh. just like stood oh, there oh, waiting there's absolutely nightmarish that was that was on my list can you imagine being in a car for like 90 minutes or whatever (laughs) and you just want to go on the podium and celebrate and you're confronted with that version of yourself and think oh my lord yeah (laughs) i didn't Um, didn't see that because i was like head down doing work at that point it was nightmarish yeah Yeah. it sounds like Um, fuel. And then on the podium, because they brought back the classic like Vars trophies this year. Oh, I like those. Hamilton yeah. threw his up in the air, which was already very dangerous. But then they were just like, all these vases were like balanced on the edge of the podium. And I started running around like doing champagne. And in my head, I was like, I really hope someone knocks an over and breaks one just so we've got 
a shoe in WTF for this week's episode. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Luis doesn't catch one that he throws in the air. Yeah, it's got to happen eventually. It's happen you know what? Later. I I did actually see that. I watched the highlights earlier today, and I did see the look on his face. He didn't quite mean to throw it that high up. I don't think. <laughs> and you can see his mouth. You can see his jaw drop a little bit, just if say, "Oh shit! I hope I catch it." <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that made me chuckle when I saw it. it made me grin at least. Anyway, um, um, I think given that we've for? all thought of Bottas going backwards, probably means it's that though it's gotta it? be i think it's gotta be he needs backwards to do better bottas. He just needs to do better chris is just do for better so title there um <laughs> uh, so a quick bit of news then before we move on to predictions um teams have agreed to a 22 race calendar which means probably germany is likely to disappear um with vietnam and zanvoort the new additions for 2020 um, it is a, a shame. bit of a shame it's a bit really like us some good races this last sort of few times i've had it there does um, this mean barcelona is on the provisional calendar then well the calendar's not out yet the calendar doesn't come out officially until the until September. so nobody's seen the full time. list of 22 so no, just no the fact that yeah, it will be 22 yeah they've just agreed to 22 races so Interesting. I, uh, it seems as though because germany don't have a deal it seems as though that's the most likely to go. But yeah, ba- Barcelona could go as well. It's- At one point, it was like Barcelona's definitely gone and then it seemed to kind of claw its way back a bit. Yeah. And what would you rather have, Barcelona or Germany? Since Vietnam and Zanvoort are done deals, they're, they're definitely happening. I'd rather have Hockenheim, personally. Yeah. From both a general race spectating point of view, as in like TV or otherwise, Hockenheim, and from a going to them to be there, Hockenheim is better, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you've been to both, haven't you? You've yeah. been to the German and the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, it's like, not, there's nothing wrong with Spain, but Hockenheim is better, in my opinion, unless yeah. you get flooded in. But that's yeah. I mean, they'll still go test. <laughs> I think the problem with Spain is they just they test there anyway, so they always they all know the track inside out. That you know, yeah, they, know it too well. Yeah. yeah, they know it too well. There's not enough um, unknown factors there for them to... To, to generate good racing whereas Germany I mean this year we had all the unknown factors to yeah. <laughs> generate crazy racing maybe maybe not like that I'd, I'm like as much as I liked that race as much as I loved Germany as a as, I guess as an art piece <laughs> like, as a spectacle as a spectacle yeah I don't think formula racers should always be like that it's nice to have once in a while like a mental yeah, one like that from time to time yeah they're, they're all right in small doses but if every race was like that a my head would explode and b it, it'd get boring it, it you know, i mean the, we've the already got need to stand out so we've already got a series where every race is like that and it's called world rally cross yeah i thought you were gonna say <laughs> yeah. formula e no formula e is not far off sometimes yeah you're right um <laughs> But yeah, I, mean, I am excited to see Vietnam and Zanvoort. I'm very keen to go to Vietnam for the Vietnam race. Um, I believe tickets are on sale, actually. Are they actually? For both of them, I think. Mm. In fact, I think Zanvoort has uh, sold out most of the grandstands at this point. As if. Because wow, and they don't all even have of, a date yet. Because all of Holland tried to buy tickets for it, I think. Wow, nice. Um, uh, last bit of news. Um, the internet this weekend noticed Nico Rosberg has been photoshopping himself onto racetracks. Have you seen this? What? <laughs> this is the funniest thing. So if you go on Nico Rosberg's Instagram, there's like one or two photos where he's like on the pit wall, on the wall between the pit lane and the and the straight. 
Um, and there's some other ones where he's literally just been cut out of an image and it's on his own Instagram. He's been cut out of an image and he's just been placed like stood on the track and there'll be like a Red Bull just like whizzing past. What? Like, all the motion, but it's the weirdest thing. It looks so strange, but it's just so, so, so Why? hilarious. Why is he doing that? I don't know. They're, none of them look real. It's really, really, really good. Go, so go check it out. Go and check out Nico. I mean, I'm I'm giving him <laughs> giving him the, <laughs> the hits here, but go and check out Nico Ross. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, what? Yeah, it's weird, That's... right? <laughs> the one with the Red Bull. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That hit me hard, that one. <laughs> That's so weird. What <laughs> yeah, is... he's just stood there stood there in a suit and he's Yeah. Oh god, he's really badly cut out as well. He's done really badly. You're probably um, gonna offend somebody like on Reddit that's took a long time making those for him. That's so strange. <laughs> Some of these are so weird. Yeah. It's so good. Look how it's like sixty four thousand 900 likes as well 471 comments i bet all of which say photoshop oh yeah photoshop or not um <laughs> there's another one of him just like stood on the start finish straight at silverstone like as hamilton's crossing the line to win yeah <laughs> i don't That's know what so it's all bizarre. about why are so many yeah, of them red quite weird by the way you know, because I've been winning a lot recently. <laughs> that's weird. Because he yeah. wants a seat. <laughs> <He's>, I mean, <laughs> it, it almost... he wants Gasly's seat. That's why. <laughs> it almost looks like he's done a photo shoot of him being stood in all these different positions, and then they've cut him out and stood him in front. I don't get how that that Mercedes one at Silverstone is actually really good. How do you get that photo from that position with the car going by? That's a good point. Who's took is that the photo? car? The car's photoshopped in. They photoshopped the car into it. Oh he's yeah, you're right. It is. No, he, that, he's real. Into that. Yeah. He's real. The car's not in that one. That is. It's so like, think he's taken that photo in front of the entire grandstand of people as well. He stood there with nothing going on behind him at the back of the grid, with the front of the grid, with all the car. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's so weird. Okay, can we change WTF for this week? Yeah, <laughs> to, to just from Nico Rosberg. I thought you might. I thought you might want to do that. <laughs> One, play, uh, play this thing again. Play this thing. Okay. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> Stop photoshopping yourself into stuff, Nico. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ultimate WTF. I thought you'd like that. Right? Shall we bizarre. do? Shall we do some predictions? Can we? Can we I call the episode looking Nico Rosberg Photoshop Master? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> Right. I can't Who'd stop. Like to... I need to close the tab. I can't yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, we need to, we need to move on. Who, um, who's uh, who's going to do predictions for us this week? I'll do predictions this week. Um, Stu, you uh, correctly called uh, Verstappen having a good weekend. You got a point for him uh, being on pole. Should have uh, been two. Should have been, been two points. You just missed out. Uh, me and Tom were... We both went Vettel for pole. I went Vettel for a win. That was not even close, was it? No. Um, Tom, you got a point for Perez finishing 11th. Uh, I got absolutely nothing. So one each yeah, for I you two. I have to say, you were both way... Well, Tom got it, and you were you were only one off, Chris. I'm really we were close. that you got... There was I'm a really point where he was 10th, and I was just willing Albon to pass him. <laughs> and I was thinking, come on, Albon, you can do this. You're like, <laughs> you're inside a second. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for all of you out there that are better than us at this, uh, the top scorers this week were... 
Chris Karuas, I hope I got that right, Katie O'Brien, Andrew Robinson, Simon Moore, and Jack Lee, and Clara Manberg, who all got three points. Um, in the overall table, Timothy George is still in the lead on 22.5 points, but Katie O'Brien has closed the gap a bit now. Uh, she has drawn level with Neil Hyde, and they're both in second place on 20 points, so it is very close at the top. Mm. Uh, Stu, you are in 55th place on 11 points. Uh, Tom, you've now drawn back level with me on nine points and we are down in 82nd. Have nice. we made this game too difficult? <laughs> By predicting us, a week yes. before the race, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then if yeah. we don't, we're missing out on podcast content. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Um, okay, so that's uh, predictions. So let's move on to in box, box, box. Uh, Tom, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, we'll start this one. Uh, Stephen Barlow this week says, driver of the day, Carlos got to be uh, two fifths and driving the pants off the McLaren. Could mm-hmm. they get a cheeky podium somewhere? Uh, they might, you know. Could, I, you I, know I, yeah. I do have a feeling they might nick a podium this season. Where could you? Where could we see them nicking a podium this season? Where would be the most likely place? Maybe a big turn one Singapore incident again. Yeah. Singapore um, might not be a bad shout, to be honest. I can see the McLaren actually being decent around Singapore as well. Well, this that's a Red Bull track, isn't it? Singapore. It's a very yeah. twisty, kind of tight court. Lots of tight corners, of slow corners. It's a that's for sure a Red Bull track. So if it's a Red Bull track. That means it's probably a McLaren track as well. Yeah. Just go somewhere really oddball and say Japan. Somewhere where we <laughs> wouldn't expect it to happen, but because I've said yeah. it won't happen, it <laughs> yeah. now will. And then you look like <laughs> a genius. Know, yeah, with, with a Renault in the back of it, I think you, <laughs> you, you've got better clairvoyance than I have if uh, if that <laughs> turns out to be true. Um, Amy Prins says, do you think Max would have won if Red Bull did the pit stop right after Lewis did his pit stop? Um, we've covered that one really, but definitely not. I think he would have come out behind. Yeah, I don't think he was ever going to win that. They probably did make the right choice, but it was never going to work. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, the Red Bull strategy was the right strategy. Just the car is not quick enough. That's, it's as simple as that. The fastest car won the race. Pretty but much, the, yes. With the fastest driver in it. And the second fastest car with the second fastest driver didn't win the race. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Uh, next, Spare Change says, after seeing Max's performances this year, who's a bigger threat next year? Max in his current trim or a cleaned up Leclerc? <laughs> um, probably Max. I mean, probably Max, yeah. I mean, obviously a lot depends on the cars next year, but even if Ferrari get their act together, I think Max, if you put Max and Charles up against each other, you'd probably go for Max, wouldn't you? I think at the moment, yeah, you've got to remember the amount of experience Max now actually has in the sport alone compared to Charles. Yeah, even though they're the same age, which is yeah. insane. Yeah. 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 It, it all depends on the cars, really, doesn't it? And it depends if... Um, I, we reckon Verstappen's going to stay put, right, at Red Bull. He's not going anywhere. He's, it would seem that way at the moment, yeah. It's looking yeah. that way, yeah. So if things stay as they are, if everyone stays in the same car and stuff, then it's it's really just down to whether or not Ferrari can up their game as a team, whether Red Bull can develop the car with uh, with in in partnership with Honda. I think the Red Bull next season might be there or thereabouts myself. So I think Matt, uh, yeah. I think based on that, Max is probably a bigger threat than Leclerc. If if Mercedes even make a good car next season, you never know. Like, well, that's might, true, yeah. They might make a diva. It's happened. They might make a bit of a diva, might struggle to get their head around it and, and well, lose track. 
it's like diminishing returns as well, isn't it? There's only so much you can do with certain components when the regulations don't change that much. So, yeah, absolutely. Jack has said, uh, "Has Russell just put himself forward for Bottas's seat? What a performance!" <laughs> um, no, is the short answer. And Toto Wolf has said as much. Um, he kind of said, although Verstappen kind of shows that sometimes putting a very young driver in a top car straight away can work. He feels like Russell, he, he wants to do right by Russell and give him the time to get ready for it. And also he's on a two-year contract at Williams and that he wants to respect that. Um, yeah, And I think I agree with that. I think Russell is definitely future race winner, maybe even future world champion material. And I think he, at the age he is, he can prepare. He can be prepared to just take the time to have a few seasons to kind of get up to that level. Yeah, it comes back to that quote from Toto from this weekend as well, basically saying that Russell's not at this moment in time a contender for that seat. Yeah, as you said, it's just between the two. Which is the right decision, as we've just been saying. I yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you both there. Um, Velvet Thunder has sent a nice Great long name. message for me to read. Um, uh, so let's get into it. Um, this was yet another poor performance from Gasly. He should have been up there with Max, or at least comfortably ahead of the two Ferraris. If he was, then Hamilton would not have had a free pit stop and Max could have won this race, and also Red Bull could have been a comfortable second in the constructors. I was, and still am, a big fan of Gasly, but he just isn't performing. He's had plenty of time to adjust, but things are just not working out for him. Dr. Helmut Marco announced that there will no longer be driver changes during the summer break, giving Pierre a vote of confidence. But I strongly disagree. What are your thoughts? So the question in all that is, do you think Pierre Gasly should stay? I think he deserves to see the season out. I, I am not a big fan, as I've said many times in the past, of the Red Bull chopping and changing. And I think, I feel like Red Bull have kind of started to realise that that's probably not the best approach. The fact that they're running out of drivers probably doesn't yeah. help though. Yeah. Um, yes, I think he probably does deserve to see out the season and see if he can pick things up again. But yes, at this point, he's absolutely not performing where he should be in that team. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? It's the same. Like I'd, I'd agree with the fact that you know the chopping and changing doesn't really work. Um, but I also agree with the fact that he's not performing at the level he, he needs to, and the team definitely recognise the fact that they could be in a better position overall if Gasly was performing, you know, even close to Max, not even at the same level, just close to him. Um, yeah, and it it just becomes a tough decision in the summer for them, I guess, as to whether they promote somebody up or whether they stick with him. I, the back end of the season is really the time that he needs to show what he's, he's really capable of, I think. And that's going to be his real telling factor, I think. Yeah. Um, my feeling on it, well, if you look at the championship table, Max up in third, 181 points. Pierre Gasly way down in sixth, only 63 points. So Max has got, sorry, 181 points. So Max has got 181 points, more than double of what Pierre Gasly's got. Um, if you look a little bit further down the grid, Danny Kvyat, 27 points. So just under half of what Pierre Gasly's got. And 
he's in far inferior equipment to what yeah. Pierre Gasly's got. I wonder if it is time for Danny Kvyat to graduate back into Red Bull myself. Um, as much as I don't like to see Red Bull, you know, chopping and changing drivers, as, just like you guys, I just think where's the line? Like he's he's not he, he's had half a season now to to get on song, and he should be doing way way better. He's had flashes of of, of speed. He's you know he did well in um, in Great Britain at, at Silverstone, but. I just don't think he's got the goods to be in the in the seat. I think he needs more time in a in a Formula One car, just like Danny Kvyat sort of needed. And I just think a swap. For, I think why not? Like if you're Red Bull, it's a team sport. You need your second driver to be scoring more points. Red Bull have got a very very real chance of getting second in the constructors here. Yeah, and they might throw it away if they stick with Pierre Gasly. That's my feeling. And I mean, they are a team with the luxury of having a second team to like take drivers from. So yeah. yeah. So you say the oh, driver pool they... is empty. There's always going to be at least two drivers in the driver pool as long it's as there's a connection yeah. with Toro Rosso. Yeah, it's very tricky. It's And they are. like Keeping him around may well be the difference between them coming second and coming third this year, which would be a big deal for them to beat Ferrari this year. Um, do we think Kvyat would be that much better than him? I, f- Ooh, I, I think possibly. Uh, it's hard. I, I mean, if I don't know, I really don't know. I just think at this point, like you might as well make the change because he can't be. The, the question is, do Should we think <laughs> Kvyat can can be would be any worse than him? Yeah. I suppose yeah. the answer to that is well, it would be it would there would be a risk involved in taking Kvyat because he has proved himself to be a little bit crashy in the past. <laughs> but uh, and and you you might say at least Gasly's is he is finishing races. He is you know granted he's finishing sixth in most races, a long way off the pack. And it, but the thing is now is falling back into the clutches of the likes of McLaren, and yeah. you wonder if Norris had not had that bad pit stop whether Gasly would be even further back so I think when it when you get to the point where you're getting beaten by the midfield pack then yeah it is time to sort of take a step back and say you know should you be in this car just for the sake of the team yeah it's it's a shame and it's a very difficult situation and as you've said before like we we all think he is a good driver and he's proven oh, yeah, that in yeah. the past it's Absolutely just no doubt about that it's just not working for him right now and yeah red bull's not the place to be figuring that out is it yeah, toro rosso well, is like, the place to be figuring that out like ricardo leaving is probably the worst thing that's happened for gasly's career yeah yeah because there was a void to fill and, yeah otherwise yeah. he'd still be at toro rosso and he'd probably yeah. still be just kind of honing his craft yeah exactly that like it would be much better for him to be in the Toro Rosso working working things out. I think another part of it is just probably that car is probably not right for him either. Like we said earlier with Williams, with um, the difference between Russell and Kubica, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's a car built for Verstappen, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's in Verstappen. That is Verstappen's team. It's not just a car built for Verstappen; it's a team built around oh, completely. Verstappen as well. Yeah. So you know, Verstappen's always gonna 
gonna get the get the goods where where this number two driver isn't and because Gasly is so new to to Formula One you wonder if someone with a little bit more experience might be able to sort of do a bit more with the package I guess that's my feeling on it yeah I, I mean that. I've said that 10 times now I do apologize for repeating <laughs> over and over again I mean Kvyat's done more than double the race entries that Gasly has done so there's definitely a lot more experience there yeah have I convinced you both have I convinced you that Kvyat should be in the Red Bull I still don't think it should be done during this season. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I'm saying that it should be left until the end of the season. Because the, okay. the, the problem the problem that we've seen exactly the same with Danny Kvyat in the past is making those changes halfway through do more damage than good at the end of the day. Like that sent Danny Kvyat into a spiral where he ended up away from the sport. Like well, yeah. I say away from the sport, he was sim driving for Ferrari wasn't he but he ended up like without a seat as an ultimate consequence and it's got the potential to destroy Gasly's career if he because he's already clearly lacking some confidence and it's exactly the same thing as what happened to Kvyat that that demotion back down will only make that worse at least giving him the opportunity to prove himself until the end of the season means that like if, if by the end of the season he's not improving then fine you don't renew his contract but he has a contract at the end of the day for the season yeah um and unless there's a stipulation in there that says if you don't finish in this position every race we're going to kick you out the team then i think it's a bit harsh to do it midway through the season yeah i mean i think that's a pretty harsh stipulation for a contract myself <laughs> yeah that, that's what i mean yeah but you wouldn't expect but that so yeah. then again the caveat verstappen swap prove that they have a contract with Red Bull as an entity. They don't have a contract with Red Bull, the team, or Toro yeah, Rosso, the team. True. So they can just move them around if they want to. Mm-hmm. Can I just take us on a slight tangent? Yeah. Um, I was just looking up the number of races drivers have entered. Um, Verstappen is the equal ninth most experienced driver on the grid, <laughs> which wow. is wild. Him, Magnussen, and Sainz have all entered 93 races. You, I would never have thought that the three of those started at the same time. And think where Magnussen started as well. Yeah, exactly. In the McLaren. Albeit an underperforming yeah. McLaren, but still. Well, he finished. Magnussen finished on the podium in his That's first true. race for McLaren. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, that was a, that was a weird tangent <laughs> to take us on. You've kind of like put me into a like a crappy position to end on as well. <laughs> That's what we do best. Yeah. So, just in conclusion on the Red Bull thing, so we're saying that you'd prefer to see the Red Bulls staying, the entire Red Bull family staying in its current configuration. Yes, I one. I agree with Tom. I think if Gasly gets moved to Toro Rosso now he won't be in F1 at all next season. Whereas if they keep him around to the end, he'll be a Toro Rosso next season. And I'd prefer to see that. Well, I'd prefer to see them swap um, Gasly and Kvyat round. So we'll agree to disagree. And on that (laughs) note, I'm going to end the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, we we hope you liked it. We hope you enjoyed the show this week. Um, You can like, share and subscribe. And please do, because it does help us an awful lot. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook if you search for Back of the Grid, and we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. And of course, once the season kicks off proper again, you'll be able to submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. 
do join the Predictions League because it's really good fun and you can win a prize every week. That's it from from me, particularly for a few weeks. I'm going away, um, but these guys are going to have some very special guests on the show, so make sure you stay tuned for those. Yeah, um, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. We'll be coming at you all through the summer break. So tune in next week when we've got Hazel Southwell, um, journalist extraordinaire on the show. Um, She talks a lot about Formula E. She um, does a lot of stuff for Formula One as well. She's really cool. Um, So yeah, tune in and check that out. But for me and from these guys this week, it's goodbye. So see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. My, my good, I, I did like two goodbyes there by accident, and my second one was like a bye bye. <laughs> well, we'll have to get Hazel to do the goodbye next week, and if she's better than Ooh, you, then you're out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>